Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> My voice cracked a little bit, so Jeez, I was trying to Peter, save it at the end. Peter Brady over here. Jesus. That's an old reference. Oh, uh, boy. You know, I just did something really interesting, and we'll get back, we'll get into the interview, which is a really fun interview today. But uh, there's this place called Pranuvo, and they have these scans, these body scans that detect, like, first stage early cancers and a bunch of other stuff they, they, they test like everything except leukemia or something they can detect mm-hmm. so you take this body scan and it pretty much it's like this new preemptive technological advance in medicine or whatever but it's this full body scan and pranuvo does it so i said oh i want to get one of these so i went and did it and i'm waiting for my results but it was pretty awesome you're there for like 45 minutes or an hour in this like mri thing but they put these glasses on you and you could see you watch Netflix. I watched like three episodes of Seinfeld and I was done and that was it. And it was easy. And, um, but it could save people's lives. And I was like, why don't I jump on this? Maybe if there's something wrong, I could fix it. Seinfeld is saving people's lives. Is what you're saying? <laughs> Seinfeld is <laughs> saving. That, that's what I got out of this. <laughs> but, um, like, look, I'm not getting paid for this, but it's obviously a great thing. Uh, if you want to do it, just go, um, in fact, you can go to Prenuvo, P R E N U V O.com slash Michael, and you'll get a, a $300 discount. Prenuvo.com slash Michael. I thought it was really cool and uh, I can't wait to read my results, but it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hypochondriac, but if I could, if somebody can detect something before it became serious, if I had something, isn't that what you want? Yeah. If the doctor says, Hey, your bill of health is great. But if the doctor instead said, Hey, your bill of health is it's great right now is great. You do have this one concern. It's not really a concern right now, but it could be a concern later. Mm-hmm. So you could handle it now if you'd like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be better news? Yes. I mean, rather than do it later. Rather than maybe not being able to handle it then. (laughs) Anyway, Um, great guest on the podcast. I've known this lady, this woman for a while. She's a animal rights activist. She saves so many animals. Um, She doesn't even live here anymore. She, um, as much as she still loves acting, she still does a lot of other things. And uh, this is going to be a really cool show. I like how she opens up, but she, I mean, like she's like saving rhinoceroses. and, And you say rhinoceroses? I was the uh, rhinoceri. You know, I should know. I no, you should. As one who is frequently referred to by nickname as Rhino. Rhino. Oh yeah, you should, <laughs> you should, should know definitely know that. I don't. Um, anyway, uh, it's a it's a great episode. Um, just a few things. Um, what? What are a few things? Where are you uh, going to be? Thanks for everybody coming out to Dallas this last weekend. It was a blast. I had a great time. Love doing the Smallville nights for you. And um, if you want to go to the Inside of You online store. Get cool merch. There's tons of stuff there. Check it in, inside of you online store. And um, there's also sunspin.com. You can get band merch from the band. Our CDs out. Other cool swag. You could listen to us anywhere streaming for free. Love for you to have a listen to the band. Uh, Sunspin. And follow us, of course, at Sunspin Band. And also at Inside of You Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and all that. And write a review for the podcast if you like. It always helps. All that stuff. And... Uh, Last but not least, Patreon. Um, thank you, patrons, for supporting the podcast. Um, 
really helps without you guys. I wouldn't be doing the podcast. Patreon.com slash inside you. And there's a lot of cool perks. And I think you'll really dig being a patron. Um, a lot of friendships have evolved on this, Ryan. On the Patreon? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is very nice. Everyone's Cordial. really nice. Some people send gifts to you, like you, to me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's uh, great folks. I love the top tier um, for the for the Patreon. They get a box from me every few months. And I sign a note. And I'm like, I, I feel like I, I know these people now. Some have been around for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, Uncle Espo. What's up, Espo? Roz, what's up? You know, it's like I've known these people and they've stuck with the podcast. And it's just amazing that i get so much support so i really appreciate that and um that's it if you know any good horror movies let me know shoot me a tweet tell me to watch something because everything i see is shit absolute shit i mean almost everything i watch is just dreadful there were a couple things you were raving about recently well it wasn't the menu well the menu's not a horror movie um i know i didn't hate the menu i didn't see i it. just didn't love it i thought it was like overrated it was like the first 30 minutes you're like oh this is great and then the ha- second half of it was just i don't know yeah um yeah i never saw it yeah well you don't have to yeah but uh anyway let's get into it let's get inside of shannon elizabeth it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you with michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You saved Peanut. That's all you do is save animals. That's pretty much I your mean, life. Yeah, now. that's that's my mission is animals. So yeah. What it, it's it's but crazy. You know, I used to have my animal rescue, Animal Avengers. Yeah. So. The charity now is a just a changed version of that where we do bigger animals. Right, the Shane Elizabeth stuff. Foundation, right? Yeah. Look at Peanut. Peanut's so sweet. It's amazing. <laughs> we'll get to this because first of all, thank you for doing this. It's so cool. You're in Cape Town, South Africa. You're yes. how many hours ahead? You are oh, let me figure it out because I'm right. not good with math. Okay. If it's 10 a.m. here, it's mm-hmm. it's nine hours. It's not you're yes. nine hours ahead. Did you have a yes. long day? Are you tired? You look refreshed. You look very good. Um, it's it's really hot here right now. It's very windy outside. Um, I picked up my husband from the hospital today because he had hurt his arm. He was so in the I've hospital been, uh, overnight? Two nights. What happened to him? <laughs> he he was actually in here. I just brought him food and he had I had given him a knife that I'll never give him again because it was just a bit sharper um, to cut something. And he stood up and he slipped on a scarf that was on the floor and the knife went into his forearm. You can't even make it up. Like deep? So it went into his forearm and it cut his tendon. Like the tendon that keeps your hand from doing this. (laughs) From moving around, flopping from one side to the other. Flopping back. So he couldn't do it. He couldn't move it. He could move his fingers. At first, he couldn't. And then as he was there for a while, he realized he could move his fingers. But um, but he knew that that part wasn't working. And they wanted a surgeon to come in and get in there and really check it out. And they said it was worse than they thought it was. So he was. Was there a lot of blood? A, ton of blood? Yeah. Yeah. There's still blood on the floor here. It's like everywhere. Did you almost pass out or are you kind of tough like that? No, no, I'm tough. Um, I went and grabbed a towel and he said, okay, hold it tight and I'm going to pull my hand out. 
And um, and then I ran upstairs and got like my purse and phones and everything. And we I luckily there's a hospital about 10 minutes away. So I raced him there. To Was the knife stuck in his arm? No. I it, thought, okay. Oh, my I God. Because then I start he thinking, did. do you pull it out? What do you do? Right. Right. Yeah. No, he said that it, it. he thinks it fell out right away. He's not even sure. He doesn't know how it happened. It went in and out. He doesn't know if it went in and cut, but it was a pretty big cut from the photos. And then the doctor cut it open even more because he said he didn't care about a scar. He cared about his hand working. So they cut it open a lot more to to make sure they could make it work again. Oh, my God. So only butter knives from now on, Shannon. Not even. He gets a fork and a spoon. I'll cut, I'll cut everything. I mean, look, we're both <laughs> vegans. We didn't really need a steak knife. We don't eat steaks. So. How long have you been I, a vegan? I haven't had meat in, it's got to be close to 30 years. 30 years. What would happen if you had a hamburger right now? I think I'd feel sick. You'd probably get like, sick after not I'd, having it for so long, right? Yeah, I think it would hurt my stomach. Do you think you feel... There's a significant, or is it too long to remember? Do you feel just better being a vegan? Is it just, do you feel like it's healthier? It's a healthier thing? You know, I'm always really torn with it. I think everyone has to explore what's right for their body. And I think that changes over time as well. I mean, for me, whether it's the best thing for my body, I don't know. Probably not. But at this point in my life, I probably need something more than what I'm getting. But for me, it's ethics. I, you know, I, I'm my mission is to help animals. And I just can't eat one and then save another. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. That does. So, so I mean, I have to be this way, even if I don't want to be. Yeah. It's, you know, but I, I mean, I have good friends that are on strict, strict keto carnivore diets and they do great on it. And you don't so, judge them. You don't say anything. You're like, live your life. No, no. I, I actually wanted to learn about it for my husband's father, like my father-in-law, because he needed to lose some. And he, I knew he wasn't going to do a vegan diet, but I thought keto is something he could do. So I started learning about it so then I could help teach him about it. And it's working really well for him. So I think there's something out there for everyone. Everyone's body is different. So you have to do what's right for you. Yeah. I think I need a change. I don't know if it's becoming a vegan or whatever it is, but I think, you know, I drag ass a lot. Maybe it's because I'm 50, maybe because there's some things going on. I don't know. But like, I, I think I need to improve my diet regardless. I think that probably, what do you, eat? you know, like I, well, I just woke up and, you know, a little while ago and I had a I had some peanut butter toast and a half a banana. That's not bad. That's good. Is it regular toast? Uh, like it's gluten-free regular? bread. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's a little bit better. I mean, yeah, a lot of carbs, a lot of people just don't do well with carbs as they get older because carbs is what turns to sugar. So it just depends mm. what your goals are, you know? My goals if are to have more energy, Shannon. I need more energy. Then stop I mean, the carbs, right? Then don't eat the carbs. <laughs> no, not necessarily. There's lots of ways of doing it. It just depends what your what your goal is. All right. Well, I mean, like I'll figure yeah. it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure <laughs> it out. Well, look, I want to get into this whole animal rescue and conservationism. If that's the right word, is that the right word? I think it is. <laughs> I've never heard it called that. But conservationism. We'll She's a conservationist. Yeah. So would it be conservationism? You know what, guys? I'm not here for an English class for an English lesson. That's not my thing. I'm just here to educate you on who Shannon Elizabeth is and what she does. Now, you have a pretty great, you've had a pretty great career and you kind of transitioned a lot. Not, I mean, you're still acting, but you're 
you're like you just fell in love with this you know this whole idea of helping animals and moving to cape town and and it's just it's amazing how you've just changed your whole life over the past years and i want to know how you got into it but first i want to rewind i want to go back to houston texas a little bit because you were okay. born in Houston, you moved to Waco, and the first thing I looked at my uh, engineer Ryan here, and the first thing we think of is like Waco, uh, David Koresh. Uh, she went to Waco yep. High School, and that's all we know. I think that's all. If you ask anybody about Waco, they'll just say, "Oh yeah, that thing that happened." So yeah. obviously, <laughs> it's it, there's more to Waco than just the, the the incident that happened with David Koresh. But were you a pretty happy child? Were you uh, were you outgoing? Were you popular? What was it like growing up? My perception of me in school, I've found out over the years, is very different from other people's perception of me. And everyone's going to have a different version of that. So to me, no, I wasn't popular, but I was always trying to be popular. I always wanted to fit in. I wanted to have friends. Um, and and I would try to have friends in like every clicky group there was because I didn't feel like I needed to be part of just one group. So I was like, tried to be friends with everybody. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here have been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got Rocket Money. <laughs> okay, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. 
before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Yeah, so, you know, if you are friends with different people, like different groups, but you get in a fight with one of your friends, then that whole group is mad at you. And it was this whole thing for me that I just always felt like there, you know, I never fit in. So I would see other people come to the school brand new and they would instantly fit in somewhere. And I never really fit in. And that was really hard for me. And I I did try out for cheerleader my freshman year and my senior year. And I only got it those years. I only tried out those years, but I got it those years because it was based on skill and not popularity. The other two years, I didn't try out because it was based on popularity and I knew I wouldn't get it. Wow. So I did dance team. And then I was a tennis player. I did competitive tennis. Um, So I was constantly trying to join clubs and be part of things and but it just, you know, okay, high school we're, wasn't we're similar then. See, I didn't think we had any similarities, really. I mean, we do because we like saving animals and we're like, you know, I think I like to call myself kind. I'm a kind person, I think. <laughs> but uh, but like I felt like the same way in high school. I didn't I didn't fit in. I was I'd hang out with the goth people and I'd hang out with some of the like some of the popular people. Then I'd hang out with the the, the stoners and the, the guys who took electricity and mechanics. And, you know, they go out for a smoke or something and I'd hang out with them. But I didn't really fit in anywhere. I didn't know yeah. who I was. I didn't really. I just if you asked people, see, when you talk about perception. And people's perception of me and my perception of myself growing up, I think that it's pretty linear. It's pretty consistent. I think people would say, if you said Michael Rosenbaum, they'd either say, I don't, who? I I remember like he was this really small, weird kid. I was just like the small sort of insecure, weird kid who didn't start puberty too late, who couldn't get girls who couldn't and people's perception people remember that they certainly do i think when i go home now they're like oh you grew when did you grow and like you know (laughs) and then you became sort of famous and then so it was just i think everybody's perception of me was was what i thought of myself in a lot of ways it's just like I, i really wasn't I wasn't going anywhere. I didn't fit in. You never would have thought of me as the the guy who's going to the most ambitious, the most, you know, but did you feel like you, there was something inside of you that wanted something different, something more than Waco, something more than just like you felt like innately there was something inside of you that wanted more? Um, I always knew I wasn't going to stay 
stay in a small town. I always wanted to travel. My dad knew that I wanted to act and it was my senior year and they were um there was a local band that was casting for their first music video and they wanted it to be there in their hometown and um my dad read about it in the paper and said they're doing open casting calls if you want to go. So I went and I got what was considered I guess a featured extra and um and the I, oddly enough, the director was Antoine Fuqua. What? I, this was before he had done like training day and everything. This Holy was an early shit. project. Yeah. And the producer was from Propaganda Films. Wow. And he and I just got to talking and I told him, you know, that acting is what I wanted to do. And for some reason, he kept saying, well, have you ever modeled? Because if you come to New York over your senior Christmas break, I'll take you to some agencies, see some photographers. And I never really wanted to model, but I thought about it. And models at that time, models did commercials and actors did commercials. So I was like, hmm, maybe it's a way for me to get into acting. So my parents, he came and talked to my parents. They actually agreed to it because they were like, he was actually a really nice guy and he didn't ask for money. He wasn't asking for anything. He was offering to help. And so we went over Christmas and I got signed to an agency. <laughs> the light goes again. What agency? It was called Cameo, um, a small agency, but um, really great people. And nine days after I graduated, I moved to New York. So that's that crazy. Was kind of my trajectory <laughs> it was always going to be like, when I could leave, I was just going to start my life. Were you know, your parents nervous for you? Were they like, oh, I don't know, New York. You're going from Waco, <laughs> Texas to New York City to be a model. You're like, what, 17, 18? 17, yeah. And who are you going to live with? Where are you going to go? I mean, what is, I mean, that's a big trip. So we stayed in NYU housing. So all the NYU housing over the summer were for interns and models and whoever, you know, was coming in town for the summer. And that's the housing that the modeling agency was using. So it was cool because, I mean, I met people from all over that came in just for the summer. So I became friends with people that lived in L.A. and people that are writers now, big writers in Hollywood that were there from Michigan. And it was really cool. Uh, my mom took me and got me settled and left me there. And <laughs> yeah, I never looked back. It was amazing. So did you feel like, what was it? Was it, did you suddenly feel like, Hey, I think I found uh, this. I fit in here. No, no, no I definitely, no. Okay. <laughs> I definitely didn't fit in. I was always struggling. Um, and I was always like, at first, when you first go there as a young model, they, all the girls, they chopped all our hair off and we all looked the same. And then we're <laughs> oh, going God. to all these auditions and we all looked the same. I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, and I hated the way like they had done my hair, but you didn't have a choice at that point. And I, I was doing it because my, my parents said, look, we've put money aside for you for college, but if you want to use it on this instead, you can, but when it's gone, it's gone. And then you have to come home. So like, okay, well, I can't let that happen. Um, but they never wanted me to resent them if they had said no and always look back and wonder what if. Yeah. So that's why they let me do it because they they knew that I could always go to college later. Right. And this opportunity was now. So I was very homesick for 
a long time and I traveled a lot doing it, but it, it's not like when you travel now, when you're older and you, you have a bit more money where you can explore and you would travel places above ground versus below ground. Yeah. You know, like when you have no money, you're always traveling underground. So you're not seeing anything. And I wasn't into the culture of different countries yet. You know, I wasn't, I was just there to try to work and make money so I didn't have to go home. Right. You know, and that's, that was my whole goal was to just do well enough that I could make money, break even, not have to go home, like, and, and figure out something else. Right. What was your so, first big break as a model that you were like, oh my God, I got this or a commercial. What was it that you, you're going to make some money? What you mean by break. Well, you <laughs> know, you listen, break? when you're doing nothing and you're coming out of high school and you start doing things, a Burger King commercial could be the biggest break you've had or anybody's had. You know, it's funny because the first, I think, printed, print, something in print in a magazine that I did was for um, menstrual cramps. Oh, well, like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for menstrual it cramps. Like, it was just me drinking a thing of water in an outfit like I'd been working out, but it was for cramps. And I'm like, yeah. How okay. many, was it a commercial or just, no, it was print? No, it was a print ad. Yeah. And did did, you, did it pay pretty well? Like back then, what was it like? What did you get paid for a print ad like that? Five hundred, a thousand bucks? I mean, maybe. I mean, print ads back then. I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but throughout my whole modeling career, the printed magazine things didn't pay well. What paid well were catalogs. Oh. The things that like J.C. Penney catalog, yeah. you know. You newspaper catalog or their big main catalog that's where the money was bloomingdales yeah dillard's things like that let me ask you quickly did you send a copy of the menstrual cramps print to your parents and say look oh. i've made it yeah i'm sure <laughs> and they looked at each other like well it, darling. i was excited yeah <laughs> they were still excited for you yeah. See, my family, my parents, I remember I was in New York and I go, hey, I got this movie. And they're like, what is it? Yeah. I go, yeah. it's this independent movie. And they're like, well, so it's not a real movie. Like, no, it's independent. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Is it a, who, who's in it? Well, no, yeah. oh, fuck. I'm a failure. Yeah. <laughs> there was and no excitement. A job, which is great. Yeah. Like, we were so excited to book a job. Yeah, they never were, were as excited until like I got something big that they go, oh, I, I, okay, I know that. That's a network. That's real. Okay, uh, you know. But right. so, what was the right. the biggest thing? The one that kind of put you on the map that you were like, holy shit, for for modeling or what was it? What was your first big break? I don't think I ever was on the map for modeling. To be honest, um, I when I went to LA. I, my plan was to drive to LA and drive cross country, hitting all the major modeling markets for catalog and building up my money. And then my plan was to go back to LA and start taking acting classes. So I wanted, I didn't think I was ready to go conquer LA yet. So I went there to visit a couple friends that I had made in the beginning and including that producer, he was in LA now. And um, I visited a few people and my agency in Dallas said, well, look, while you're there, go see some photographers, get some pictures done. They have the best photographers there. Go see an agency. 
So I did. And I signed, I think I was with Ford first. So I signed with Ford in LA. That's a big one. I Yeah, somehow, eventually, I got with Ford and with Elite at different times. Right. And I don't know how I did that, but I, I definitely wasn't one of their top models. I think I just made enough to get by. Yeah. But um, I did some... I did some auditions while I was there and I booked a commercial and I'm like, okay, that's good. And then I booked another commercial and they had to Taft Hartley me to get my SAG card. Tell everybody what Taft Hartley is. Um, gosh, I barely remember. I, somebody has to sponsor you when it's a union commercial SAG or and you've done, I think it, the first one you can get by with not being union, but the second one, somebody has to sponsor you to get into the union. Right. And it's one of the, the best ways to get in the union because it can be quite hard to get in otherwise. And so because I booked two commercials that were both um, union, I got in the union. And so my whole plan of like the crossover model actor thing was starting to fall into place. So I never left LA. Did you think that you were like when you were growing up, did you think I'm just going to live in a small town? I know you said you want to get away, but was there part of you that kind of like, it was like that feeling like I want to get married. I want to have kids. I don't want to do this. This is too much. Oh, you're shaking your head. You never thought that you were always ambitious. I never, I was never the kind that wanted to have kids. I never thought about like a family or anything. Cause that would slow down my own ambitions. I was always very much about, I have goals, I have dreams and, and nothing can throw me off of that. Right. Did your parents think, say you know, anything? Did your parents what? like, did your parents ever go, you know, I'd love you to get married, have a family. Cause my grandma still does that. You know, I think they learned early on. Cause I always said I was never having kids. I think they realized that I wasn't lying. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <not> happen. <laughs> so they, they never really pushed me. So they you, knew that all my dogs were their grandkids. There you go. There you go. And a rhino now. And a rhino. Um, yes. All right, so you're in L.A. now. You're booking commercials. Things are starting to go for you. You're taking acting classes. You're getting better and better. By the way, the print stuff, did you ever feel really comfortable? Did you have it down? Or are you like, I just want to get out of this. I don't really feel comfortable. I felt comfortable with catalog, but only after I went to Taiwan, oddly enough. I, I remember going to Taiwan and not having a clue what was going on and The first day they sent like 10 of us out. We were all staying in a house together and every place you go to, you have to put on their clothes and you have to hit a pose or bunch of poses, like as if you were doing a catalog. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it was. And I was in tears by the end of the day. And one of the girls that had been there a bunch of times, she said, look, it's like a dance. She, she taught me like five or six poses. And she said, all you have to do is hit them and then start again. Just cycle through them. And once I got that, I was booking left and right. I'm like, okay, that I can do. And so then I started booking. And I was very happy to just do that kind of stuff because I, I've never had that look of that, you know, that, that, hard, seductive European look where if you don't smile, you look sexy. Like (laughs) I have to smile. Like I'm the smiley girl, which is like. I know that. I know that. We all do. We've all done that. We're taking pictures for a movie premiere or we're at the Globes or wherever the hell you are. And they start taking pictures and you go from like, kind of like natural smile to like, "Mm." I don't do that. I sometimes just close my mouth because I look like a goofball smiling, but I just kind of go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Now I'm like, maybe I should... pictures of me out there not smiling because I don't like the way I look not smiling. Really? Well, you have a great smile. If you Google me, almost every picture is smiling and almost every picture is my left side. By the way, were you constantly as a model and young going out in New York, going to Taiwan, in L.A.? Were you I mean, it's a stupid question because I know what you're going to say. But were you constantly hit on guys constantly hitting on you? No. Come on. No, I I, I think I was quite awkward. I was very shy. I'm still very shy. Like I'm not an outgoing person. I have to try and it's only it's actually because of modeling that I started learning that I had to try because it was when I was in Dallas I was in a modeling house and maybe a couple weeks in I went out with a bunch of the the models there like we I just remember we were in the car we were having fun and we came home and we were chatting and they were like you know, we thought you were such a bitch, but you could like you you just sat around and you didn't like talk to us or anything. I was like, but I was really scared. I was shy. You guys were all friends and I just got there. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, you weren't talking to us, so we didn't like you. But now we do. And I'm like, OK, so now lesson learned. I have to try to come out of my shell quicker so that that perception isn't out there because that wasn't my intention. I was just scared. You know what? So, I get it. I remember the first time meeting you and just like throughout the years after I sort of knew you. And I just remember, I was like, oh, she, she, you're just, you were just you, you weren't necessarily trying. You're just, you're, you're polite, but you, you didn't seem like you were like, Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm nice. You should like me. You were just <laughs> you, but that's kind of who you are. You are sort of a shy person. You are sort of, and I thought my because I'm insecure as fuck. My th first thought was, she doesn't like me at all. <laughs> and then as I talked to you, I got to know you a little more. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think she thinks I'm okay. I don't, you know, I don't. And it just, but it took a minute. You're not that kind of person that just immediately goes to somebody and people are like, oh, I love her. I love her right away. You, you don't, you don't put that on. It's, you know, and I like that about you. I have to turn it on. I have to really consciously be in a space where I'm like, Okay, I'm on. I'm going to talk to everybody and I'm not going to be shy. And and once in a while I can do it. But generally, it's just not me. I have to build up to it, you know, and a lot of people that I've become friends with are that kind of person. And that's how we became friends, because I'm standing in the corner, not talking to anybody. And they're like, hi, how are you? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I so like I'm when I did that, that 70 show, yeah. that's how I became friends first with Mila, because Mila is like that. She was always this young, vibrant, like, hey, what's going on? And our dressing rooms were next to each other. So she would always come over and talk to me. And I loved it. Wait, Mila I'm from 70 show? Mila Kunis. Kunis, yeah. yeah. So she's like that. She's very personable she's and very like open. That. Yeah. And all that. You know, really, she used to be. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while, but that's what broke the ice for me on on that show was her being so bouncy and like fun you know so she made you feel comfortable she was really sweet yeah isn't that nice when you hear that about people when you when you find out oh you know they were good to other people they were good to guest stars they were good to because you were a, a recurring character on that 70s show season what seven or eight season seven or eight, seven or eight by the I way ryan and i ryan's my engineer who you can't see here who's my my cohort we're it's similar I'm sort of the, hey, how you doing? You know, want everybody to have a good time. And Ryan's really nice guy, but he's kind of like subdued a little bit. He's a little bit chill. He's like, you know, he's not going to go up to you and go, hey, man, what's your name? Where are you from? 
you know, he's not yeah. that guy. You, you know, yeah. so he's similar. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So what was the first big acting thing? What was the the, the big one that, that you're like, hey, oh my gosh, this isn't just commercials. This isn't just print. I'm acting now. Well, the first pretty decent role that I had was on a show called Arliss. Oh, I remember Arliss. Was, Good show. You remember? Arliss He's with great. Uh, Robert Wolf on yeah. HBO. Yeah. And I played a Russian tennis player, actually. Really? So it was one of those things where I, I, I was, I think I was always that girl that if you can't find anyone else, I was good enough that I could come in and like book it because they were out of options. <laughs> and I think that's why I got it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because my, um, I remember my agency going, okay, they need somebody who can act who can wear a bathing suit because you have to swim, that could play tennis. And I played competitive tennis growing up and that could do this accent. And so because I'd never really done an accent, what I decided to do, and I don't know, for someone who's shy, I don't know where I found it within me to do this, but because they needed somebody to start like the next day, um, I went in there and I didn't want them to judge my accent. So I went in there only speaking the accent, saying this was my real accent. Like my I my parents were. What was it? Real- Just talk to me like this, or is it the best you can remember? It's like you know, like no, you know, my parents they talk like this at home. So this is how I talk. I don't really. I mean, I know I've been living here a long time, but I just talk like this. And they're like, <laughs> "Great, you talk like that. We don't have to think about your accent." So you faked it. I think that's why I got it because they didn't realize till I was in wardrobe fittings the next day when I finally dropped it. They were like, oh, you don't actually have an accent. Oh my gosh, that's ballsy. I know. I don't know where I found it within me to do it, but I did. But you planned on it. When, before you went in there, you're like, I'm going to talk like this and I'm going to make them love yeah. me and I'm play tennis and everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. I mean, there were so many... Because I th- if you remember the show, there were always so many great guest stars on the show. Um, John McEnroe. I think I played tennis with John McEnroe on the show. What? Zappa was my boyfriend at the end, I think, of the episode <sighs> or something. So there were like so many cool people. I think John Sally might have been in the episode as well. I haven't seen it in so long. But it was that was the first thing where I had enough to do throughout the whole episode that I used that as my reel. I stopped trying to put a reel together and I just gave that episode to people as my reel. And it worked. And it worked. And you started booking shit. Well, I got a, because of it, I got a better like agent and manager 
And with the manager, I had, he was, he was friends. He had gone to college with my ex at the time, the, the who I was with at the time. Right. And, um, and he was doing him a favor to let me come in and talk to him. So I went in and I chatted with him and I left him this um, VHS of my, <laughs> my ages is us VHS yeah. tape. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> but he's like, I take ten percent on everything you do, including modeling. I got up to leave. I was like, nope, because I've been doing that for a long time without you. You're not touching it. Wow. And he's like, well, that's what I take. I go, okay, see you later. And I left and I got up and left. And as I got to the door, he stopped me. Are you serious? You had the balls to get up and just say, yeah, no, like, no, th- you no, got I'm up and left. Some- yeah. I mean, I've been modeling for so long on my own and I have a modeling agency that takes 20%. So why am I giving this guy another 10? Good like, for you. It didn't make sense. So 30% gone plus taxes? No. So he stopped you and goes, okay, fine. 5%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, no, nothing. Nothing off the model. He might have even tried to say 15% at the time. And I said, no, because I know the going rate's 10. Right, <laughs> so right. I'm not doing it. So he took you <laughs> on. a lot of people back then would do that, right? Oh, yeah. try to it was always 15%. They took 15%. Your agent would take 10%. Your lawyer would take 5%. Taxes were like 30 or 40%. I mean, you were left yeah. with, you know, you make $100,000, which is a lot of money. You get like 40. Yeah. People exactly. think, you know, oh, this guy makes $20 million. Well, he makes nine. Still a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> but it's not yeah. 20. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. Um, so he took you on. He says, okay, I'm going to take you on. And how soon yeah. after were you, were you booked in something? I mean, I did. I don't remember. So I... Gosh, I can't remember the order of things of what I did with him or versus other right, right. other people. I mean, I did for a while. I did a bunch of those um, like Saturday morning kids shows, like um, the Saved by the Bell type of things that were. I don't remember the names of yeah. all of them, but I did a guest stars on a bunch of those. But it was probably within the year or two that I got American Pie. Now was American it was- Pie. The same sort of thing where you go, I'm going to go in with an accent. I'm going to think they, I want them to think I talk like this. No, no, I, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I do remember that the casting director came over to me and he's like, look, I'm going to call you back for the directors, but you got to work on your accent because I mean, look, I'm not saying this. He said this. I don't know if it's not PC, but he is like, try not to sound deaf. Because that's how I sounded doing the accent to him. That's what he said like, to you. Mm-hmm. So like, you went home and you go, well, how do I not? Okay. And you yeah, just worked on um, it. Yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember how I worked on it after that. I think I worked with a, a few different dialect coaches. Um, I just don't remember at what point. How much time but, did you have to prepare the second time around? I don't remember. Just not not a long time. You had to work fast. Mm, uh, is it I had something? To work fast. Yeah, is it something you could just jump into? Like you jumped into the Russian. Can you just jump into that accent now? I mean, it's the same accent, pretty much. Is it, it pretty much the fact, same? It was, it was Czechoslovakian, so yeah, it was, <laughs> I pretty much did the same accent. But like, well, what had happened? I was in an acting class, and so you you know Joe, my ex. Yes. Okay. Are you guys so still friendly? Was, Are you still friendly? He's he's actually managing me. He's helping manage me while I'm here. So yeah. Beautiful. 
What a yeah, rarity. What a rare thing in Hollywood. An ex-husband manages his ex-wife. Good for you guys. Yeah. That's cool, yeah, no, man. Because I know it wasn't easy in the beginning after the breakup. It, it was like there was a lot of distance for a while. For two years. For two years. And then, yeah. And then we found our way back to being friends and... And now, like, we we help each other. So, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. No, he's a great guy. Um, but he he and I were in an acting class together. And there at one point, there was a scene I was trying to do from Pulp Fiction. And I was trying to do French. And I can't do a French accent. And he said, remember when class, when you tried to do French, do that accent because it sounded Russian. I was like, oh, okay. It's just one of those accents that is easier for me. Like everybody has an accent that they can just like fake, I guess. And for some reason, that's just one of them that I could sort of do. But with that said, when I, when I did American Pie, um, they called me in to do ADR, which is all the voiceover stuff right. after, after you've filmed. And they're like, we're going to play with the accent a bit. And so I'd say something and they're like, okay, now do less of an accent. And I'd say it again. They were like, do less. I'm like, why, why are they messing with this accent so much? Because I had worked really hard with like a dialect coach on this. And so then I, they said, say things like you've been here for a long time. So then I would say it. And they're like, yeah, that's it. I go, but I took the accent off on that one. <laughs> like there was no accent left. So after the ADR session, I told all my friends, this movie is going to suck because they had messed with my accent so much. I was like, no, they're, they're ruining it. The movie's going to suck. Like, don't watch it. I was like, I was devastated after ADR. Oh, no. So, and yeah. so when you saw what they had done, what you'd put back into it, when you ADR'd all this shit, you went back, did you go back in or again? When was the first time you saw her? Did you go to the premiere and going, I don't know what I'm going to see. Yeah. So were you doing yeah, what no. I, yeah, were you doing what I would do is telling everybody, look, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to suck in this. I'm probably, my accent's terrible. Just don't judge me. You weren't yeah. thinking this but was going to do anything. people did say my accent was terrible. And I'm like, well, yeah, because they messed with it. They didn't let me do what I wanted to you do. You know what's funny is I remember, I, I've seen it. And I, I honestly, I'm not saying this because you're here. I loved it. I loved it. Thank I really you. did. I thought, I, I remember saying, Wow, that's hilarious. She's hilarious. Oh my oh, God. I didn't think, unless you speak this language or you, most people don't. The world, they watch and they just say, oh, they, oh, she has an accent. They don't think too much about things. I wasn't yeah. thinking, where is she from exactly? I just was like, oh, this is fun. So, oh, uh, cool. Thank you. I swear to God, may I drop dead. That's how I felt. But <laughs> this, when you saw the movie, did you say, Wow, I'm part of something that's going to be huge. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't know. Like it was nobody knew it was going to be huge, but I mean, there there were moments of things happening around us where we could see they were trying to expand because my character was not meant to be a main character. I wasn't in the original poster, but they were. They, I was testing well, and so they were expanding my my presence, um, and they were starting to include me in a lot of the the um, magazine press and stuff that that people were getting. And sorry, my light is giving me so. So much you were stealing today. the show in a lot of ways. 
I don't know about that. Whatever. But, but you know, you were a likable character was, who was testing well and they kept bringing you for. And by the way, you probably got paid shit for the movie. The first one. Yeah. Do you remember going, oh, my God, this is what they're paying me? No, I, I didn't care. They, I would have done it for free. It was my first studio film. So right. I was so happy to book a role in a studio film. Like, who cares about money? That's that's great that they're giving me something for it. But then the second one comes and then you're like, okay. You're like, I'm making <laughs> some money the this first time. One, but the second one, I'll get paid. Did you ever almost walk away because they're like, well, her part's not as big as the others. I'm sure they tried to, uh, you know, we're not going to pay her as much. Or did you put your foot down and go, hey, man, I'm getting for paid. For the second one? Yeah. Many times. I walked away from a lot of offers. Really? My, my, my lawyer and my manager and agent, they all thought I was crazy. And I kept saying no. And they were pushing me to say yes. And I was like, mm -mm. Really? And just got, like you did I with got, that manager. You got up and you walked the fuck out. I, I just kept saying no. They would bring me things. I was like, mm-mm. I just, I don't know why. I, I I guess I had a number in my head. I knew what I felt like they should pay. And we got them to that number. And then my team was very excited that I said no all the other times. Yeah, right. But because I didn't get paid on the first one, hardly. Like, I think it was something like a couple thousand. Jesus. I don't know. It wasn't Man. a lot. And it was, it was nothing. And... Strike when like, the iron's oh, hot. Strike when the iron's hot. You're like, you yeah, know, you know, you get like 15 minutes, so you got to milk it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You never know. This could be it. I'm done. And if you, you got it, you got to get what you can from it because they're going to take everything from you. They're going to try and give you as little as possible. That is just the way it works. Well, and I think every actor, as soon as they're done with a role, if they don't have another one lined up, they think that's it. I'm never going to book another role. Like, I would always have this anxiety when I would wrap a movie. If I didn't have something else booked, then like, I'm never going to work again. What's, you know, and it, you kind of like freak out and you don't, that's just part of being an actor. I think right, it's just yeah. part of, like, all my friends said that they had that feeling. What was your, what's the, the biggest thing or the, your favorite role you've done besides American Pie? What role did you really just have fun and go, I love doing this? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. There are a couple. I mean, I, I loved playing Buffy and Scary Movie. Yeah, that was really awesome. fun. Um, like, especially like when I got to do my my death scene because Keenan Ivory Wayans really worked with me on it for a long time. We shot take after take after take after take. 
So that was fun. And, and it was one of the only times we got to do rehearsals, like to be on a film where you get to have a week in rehearsals to get to like know each other and bond. And like, it's such a great experience to have that. Yeah. Um, and then there was another film that is just a little Hallmark film called Catch a Christmas Star. And I got to play kind of like a, a pop star that goes back home and falls in love with like the high school boyfriend kind of thing. And it was just very sweet, but I got to sing and I'd never gotten to sing in a movie and to go in studio and record songs was just really, really fun. And because I was a pop star, they always had like the most beautiful hair and makeup on me and glitter and like, I just had such a great team and, and we shot the whole thing in like 12 days. It was so quick. How did, but it was one of the best experiences. It's amazing. You say it's, it, it amazes me when I hear this because I miss that element. You say how much fun you had. I went to the studio and I sang and I never got to do this. And it was so fun. And to me, yeah. that gives me anxiety thinking about going in and singing <laughs> and doing it just it, everything is just like, I gotta be great. I gotta, I gotta, you know, and you didn't feel like that. You were actually having a good time. Well, I was in choir when I was in school and I loved choir, but I was never the greatest singer. I was never the one that got the solos, but I was, I was good enough to make like the main choir group. If, if that's what it was called. Right. But so I was just, I was okay, but I would get su such nerves. Like I, I would audibly sound nervous when I would sing, if I was trying to sing on my own or do a solo or something like I didn't know how to control the nerves, but to be able to then take that and go into a studio and work with people and really like keep singing lines until you get it just right. And I don't know. I love it. I think it's so much fun. I mean, I think there's every actor wants to be a musician. Every musician mm -hmm. wants to be an actor. Yes. So it kind of fulfilled some of that for me. Was it, have you ever had debilitating anxiety or anything that caused like really hindered you from being at your best? Or do you remember ever being on set or just the, did anxiety ever get in your way? Did depression or anything get in your way over the years? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think, I think everybody goes through stuff like that. I mean, anxiety, not on, on set per se, but, um, it it depends. There's there's different versions of it. I mean, there were things that would happen on set where it was kind of like a throwback to high school where I just didn't feel like I fit in. I mean, I remember being on one set where there was a bunch of girls and all the girls smoked but me. And so they would all go outside and smoke all the time. And I didn't fit in because I didn't go do that. And I didn't want to be out there because I didn't want to breathe in the smoke. But I didn't know how to bond with them, you know. What so was it? Was what show was it? Or you don't want to say? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say which one. All right, I won't say what you don't it say. was. Well, you didn't say anything bad about the girls. You just said you didn't fit in. I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in. But um, yeah, so I, I would get that kind of anxiety, right? Um, and I I did a movie, um, and Henry Winkler was on there, and I, love Henry. I made a comment about not not being good enough or not fitting in with them or something because there was there were all these Tom Arnold was there there were all these great actors around and I, and then I I don't know how I got there and 
I just remember Henry Winkler made me go home. He goes, in the mirror that you look in every day, you're going to write in lipstick. And, and now I've forgotten exactly what it was, but it was something like, I am good enough something to that degree. And so he told me to do that. And so I went home and did that. And I always thought of him. But you know? he is such a man. He still texts me, Michael, how are you? I hope you and your brother are great. How's the dog? I love you. Shannon, I want you to write in lipstick. I am good enough. And yeah, I love you, Shannon. He is the best. And by the way, I've been doing hypnotherapy and there it's amazing how when you rewire your brain and you and you bring confidence and repetitive confirmation like what's the word uh affirmations. Affirmations. <laughs> yeah. To your yeah. then you 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 change the way your brain thinks because if you're like, "Oh, I know I can't do it. Um, oh, I'm going to have anxiety. I'm going to have but if you start going, "I'm confident. I can do this." I it's amazing that the brain could reprogram itself and it's starting to work for me a little bit. I've noticed yeah. it. You got to just, you know. Have you ever in the same vein, have you ever tried microdosing? Everybody's been telling me that. Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy, uh many, many people, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a conference. I'm actually talking to the founder tomorrow. It's called microdosing. Uh, it's a conference in Florida that I think it's a, in Miami that's about to take place. And the speakers, if you go, I think it's microdosing.com. If you go look at the speakers they have. I mean, I remember meeting with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. Yeah. Way back in the day when he was on Shark Tank. And now he's a speaker at this conference. And to see the trajectory of some of these amazing entrepreneurs that are now believing in microdosing, I think it's quite fascinating. Do you microdose? You know, I I, I have, but part of what I want to talk to him about is that the, the times that I have, more than anything, it makes me very sleepy. And I know it's not supposed to do that. Yeah. And I want to know if it's my chemical makeup or like what some people have said is, well, maybe it's what you need. and you're getting from the medicine what you need and you need to rest. So, but I I don't know. I mean, I've I've tried a few different microdosing type things. Um, but I but then I'll see my husband will do it and he gets that feeling where your mind is quite expanded and and he feels calm. Whereas the feeling I'm getting is just it, it literally puts me to sleep. So wow. maybe I it's too to. high of a dose. I want the mind expansion, you know, yeah. and I want the the groundedness and and everything you're you know you're talking about um, with the hypnotherapy because mm -hmm. even that, like I I would love to do that. Um, I have a great person; she's really great, and I, I was doubting it, and I was just in, and all of a sudden I start listening to these this twenty minutes at night, twenty minutes in the morning every day mm -hmm. and it becomes a habit and things have changed a little bit for me i mean it's really? still new but it, it's working i have to say it's working i get frustrated sometimes i don't want to do it sometimes but yeah anyway look you've had a great career i mean you've done so many things um but your whole you really transitioned because I mean, next time i talk to you we'll get into the poker playing because you're like an unbelievable poker player you're like the best celebrity poker player there is and uh, probably one of the best poker players out there. You've won money. No. What's the most money you've won? 55,000? 100,000? 125,000 when I did the NBC Heads Up Championship. 125,000. 
She's the real deal. I mean, you are a poker player. I was player. so bummed, though, because I should have gone to the finals, but oh, I was so upset. How much would you have won if you went to the finals? I don't remember. The next level is probably 250 and 500 for first and second. If I got 125, it must have been something like that. Good Lord. But I, I played, I was playing against Paul Wasica, who went on to win it. Right. And Paul was like, look, it really didn't matter what hand you picked. I was, he was just getting good hands. He said, every hand I got all of a sudden was just so good. It didn't matter. Wow. <laughs> like, uh, I was so bummed, but I was really practicing. Um, the secret then this was when the secret was big yeah and i started really vigorously practicing that and envisioning and manifesting like the outcome and the wins that and works you what, really think it worked if you commit yourself to it and you believe it 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 can work i mean it's manifestation um the secret just took it from many other people who've taught it way before that. And they kind of did their own thing with it, but it, it's manifestation. In fact, when I got scary movie, it, I didn't know at the time that I was manifesting, but there's a woman in LA that I would buy like these little oils and candles and stuff from. And I had mentioned to her that I had had this audition and I really wanted this role. And so she had told me, go home and sit and and just imagine what it feels like when you get the call that you get the role. Imagine feeling in your body the excitement and who you're going to call and what you're going to tell them. And she went through this whole thing. And I was like, OK, OK, I'm going to do that. And I really did it. And I did it all the time. And from the time I first auditioned to the time I got the role, there was four months in between. Because they had gone across the country looking like for people for these roles. And the whole time I was just sitting there trying to manifest because they wanted to give me a different role. And I was like, no, I want Buffy. I don't want another role. I want Buffy. But Buffy was supposed to be blonde. And so Keenan didn't really want me because he wanted a blonde. But then the, the lead role was supposed to be a brunette. So he just swapped us around in the end. But that was the first time I had worked on manifestation, but I didn't know it was called that. I didn't know what I was doing. Ryan, we might have to try some manifestation, my brother, some <laughs> affirmations and some manifestations. <laughs> uh, look, we're running out of time here, but uh, we can go a little bit over. Um, let's get into the nonprofit. Let's get into the Shannon Elizabeth foundation, Moon of the Rhino. First of all, when did it occur to you that this is what I need to do? That, like, when did you're like, I know what I want to do, and I want to move to Africa, and I want to do the, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. When did that happen? And 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 you know. So when I when I did American Pie, it was the first time I was in a position to give back. And long story short, I just realized I wanted to start my own animal rescue. So I started a dog and cat rescue called Animal Avengers. Yep. Ran it that way for over 10 years and then knew I wanted to help more animals on a bigger scale and went on this long quest to figure out what that was. I didn't know how to revamp the charity, but I wanted to do something else with it. And through my own process of figuring myself out, um, I was I had sold my house in L.A. I was looking for another place and then just realized I didn't want to be in L.A. anymore. Went to New York. And when I was in New York, I started somehow paying a lot of attention to conservation organizations. And there was um, an ivory and rhino horn 
uh, crush in Times Square that I got invited to. And I met a bunch of conservationists there and started following everyone online. And there was one video that I came across, like literally I was getting ready to go to dinner. I was doing my makeup and something said, check Instagram. And I didn't know what I was checking for, but I was scrolling on Instagram and I came across this video of an elephant that had been poached and the ranger was filming as he was walking and saying, this poor baby's been out here all night suffering. And as you see, you, you saw her trunk off to one side and then you saw her face and then she moved. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. The fact that she was still alive and this had happened to her. And I never till that moment realized that these animals were getting their their ivory and their horns taken off while they were alive and they were feeling every cut. And that that's what changed it for me. And that was that was 2014 oh my God. going into 2015. I just felt that, didn't you? Jesus, just you explaining that to me, I just like felt it. It it changed me. I I the whole night I was thinking about it. I was trying not to cry at dinner. I I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I said, that's what I want to do with the charity. The fact that these animals, these big majestic animals like elephants, could go extinct in our lifetime. And we're we're here doing nothing like it doesn't make sense like we all got to go see an elephant or a rhino at some point maybe when we were younger or anywhere you know that they're on the planet with you but then to leave the planet one day and they're not there anymore that's that that didn't compute with me so i started going to south africa to learn and to understand what the issue was and try to find ways i could help and make a difference and in the process, just decided I was going to move here and spend more time here. And and uh, I ended up getting married and we revamped the charity to be the Shan Elizabeth Foundation for now. It'll change eventually soon, hopefully. Um, but now we we have a blind black rhino that we take care of. We just built a sanctuary for him. And, Manu? Huh? Is that Manu? Manu. 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 Yeah. And uh, we're going to bring some females over so he can breed. He's already he's already doing this thing where I've realized that he's checking for female pheromones to see if they're around. So I know he's ready for it. And and we're filming it all to be a docu series. So at this point, we we just we need more funding. We need to up the security to bring the females over. We we have more parts of the sanctuary we need to do, and um, we're talking to different broadcast partners for the for the docu series. So it's the the first time I'm really bringing my two worlds together, and um, I'm I'm directing it, but I'm going to co-direct it. I'm actually I, I'm actually looking for the right co-director to do the rest of it with me. I have some ideas, so. Uh, I think that's unbelievable. I commend you. Uh, I, 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 I want, I'm going to donate right after we get off again. I, oh, I, so you. where, where can we go to donate? I, I'm, I'm serious, guys. This is, this is unbelievable. Um, if, if you go to shannonelizabeth.org slash munu, M A M A N U M A N U M U M U M U N U. Yes. M U N U munu. Um, there you'll see a video that we've done. That's like a five minute sizzle kind of trailer of the, the show and, and the conservation work that we're doing. 
we figured if we're doing the work anyway, we might as well film it and tell the story to the world because most most rhino stories are about death and they're gruesome and people don't don't want to see um another picture of an animal with their face cut off but this is a story of love and hope and courage and and trust because he's trusting us because he can't see and we you know we were able to move him to this place and we we've built something that we know he's kind of familiar with but it's got a lot more space for him a lot of trees to browse and he trusts us to lead him through it and yeah we wanted to tell like a really good story that that could inspire people and so that's that's what we're the mission we're on right now do you think he knows you your touch and your voice he knows my voice yeah he knows my voice um you can see how he reacts to his different caretakers and people that are around him for a long time and um when he first came into the outdoor area um for the first time in the new sanctuary he was walking around he walked right in front of me and started vocalizing which was just oh, like man. an amazing thing if you've never heard a rhino vocalize it's just it melts your heart that's beautiful so well, good for so, you. Yeah, good for the organization. That's, that's our big project right now. I love that. All right, this is really quick. This is uh, Shit Talking with Shannon Elizabeth. These are my top-tier patrons. Uh, they make the show possible. All my patrons do. Without them, I, I don't know what I would do. Uh, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, once you join, I will send you a, a message back. Uh, these are rapid fire. Answer quickly. Ready? Little okay. Lisa. Little Lisa, do you have any funny behind-the-scenes moments you could please share when you were filming Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or Jay and Silent Bob Reboot? Thank you. Yeah, I'm not good at quick fire. There aren't a lot of like, like funny moments like that that I can think of. I mean, obviously Jason Muse is always is always joking around and having fun, but I can't think of any one thing. I'm sorry. All right, that's all right. Leanne, very impressed with the work your foundation does on behalf of wildlife conservation. What was the spark that motivated you? We just heard that. We just heard the spark. We just heard the spark, yeah. Leanne. Thank you. Uh, Brett G., if you can go back in time, is there anything you would change or do differently in your acting career? I would have um, asked for more money for American Pie 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are things. I'm not going to go into specifics, but I'll say that when you're when you're a, a woman that stands up for herself when asked to do things you don't want to do, that can be perceived wrong. And there's a process of doing it that that is better than doing it yourself. <laughs> like, I would stand up for myself too much versus letting my manager do that. Gotcha. So, yeah, I probably would go back and, like, let my team fight for me more rather than me saying, I'm not going to do that. Let them look like the assholes. Yeah. Let them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Kelly asks, who'd you get closest with in American Pie? And are you close with anybody from the cast still? I got closest. At the time, I got closest with Mina. Mina would always do girls, girls nights and girls lunches and stuff. So I was hanging out with her the most. Um, and I do still see her and Tara probably the most. Oh, and um, and Thomas Ian Nicholas, because we all do autograph signings. We have the same management. So we'll go do autograph signings in different areas, sometimes in different countries. So it's a lot of fun to travel and do that. That's awesome. Jennifer N. seeing you in 13 Ghosts, what was it like to work with Matthew Lillard and Tony Shalhoub? Tony Shalhoub is like my hero. He is unbelievable. And... You know, he played my dad. We're both Lebanese, which I loved. And um, he 
he really treated me like like an equal that I didn't feel like I deserved that. But like, I remember we we would fly back and forth to Vancouver and we would talk about the storyline and things we wanted to pitch to the director that might change things slightly. And so he would sit there next to me on the plane and be like, okay, what about this? And what about that? Okay, I'm going to take it to him and see what he says. And I was just, wow. to me, just to be able to do that was amazing. I loved him so much. That's awesome. And, and Matthew's just such a funny, fun, nice guy. He's I had actually guy. worked with Matthew before on a film called Dish Dogs with he and um, Sean Astin. That was actually one of my first films. Um, They're both menches. I love crazy. both of those guys. Sean Astin yeah. is probably the nicest guy there is next to Henry Winkler. Nicest guy in the world. Good God. Absolutely. Billy asked, last question. Besides acting, what are some things you would like to work on besides uh, the, the Shane Elizabeth Foundation and acting? Is there anything else? You want to uh, play some more tennis with me, maybe? I play tennis. <laughs> now, I, I really want to work on directing and producing. I'm being more behind the camera. I like, love it. To be able to shape the stories in that way, it's it's really the the direction I want to be going more than being in front of the camera. So as much as possible, I'm jumping behind. Uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, what's your Instagram so people can follow you and they can go donate? What is your Instagram? My Instagram is at Shannon Elizabeth. At Shannon Elizabeth. That's it. That's it. And can you do me a favor and tell Simon I'm thinking about him and I hope his forearm's okay? <laughs> I will. I will. He told me to tell you hi. He didn't know if you'd remember. I do remember him. I do remember he him. He remembers you as such a great guy. So. Well, well, his memory is a little bit uh, off, but uh, <laughs> no, not at all. This has been a treat. I know it's late for you. It's a little later than we normally do this, but I appreciate you doing this. I've always wanted to talk to you and I know you live out there, but continue the great work. It's just Thank really you. stunning. You're a beautiful person inside and out and the world needs more of you. And um, yeah, Thank you. I really appreciate you. And um, I'll let you know when this comes out. And uh, okay. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and giving me the platform to, to talk about things that I love, like Munu. <laughs> we all love Munu. Go donate. We all love Munu. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Thank you. Bye. Uh, thank you for listening to Shannon Elizabeth. Um, I don't get to see her much anymore because she, obviously she lives far away. Mm -hmm. But um, she does make an impact. I, I look up to people like that, someone who really takes the time, because time is valuable. It's mm -hmm. invaluable. Mm -hmm. But to actually take time from not doing anything and relaxing to devoting most of your time saving the world, saving animals, saving exotic animals, saving help, saving human beings, I mean... I mean, just to, to to know and decide that that is your thing that you're going to devote your time to. Is That's great. your purpose. Yeah. What a great thing it would be to know your purpose, to really know this yeah. is what why I'm here. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times you got to, is, is my purpose this? Is it, is it, should I be, and you're just lost. And I think a lot of people at, you know, my age, 50, middle, midlife, it's mm -hmm. like, what's my purpose? Mm -hmm. But when you know it, like my friend Shira for um, the animal rescue mission arm animal rescue mission and i'm on the board of course i want to know why i just sometimes i go blank but like that's her mission whether she likes it or not she's always she gravitates towards saving animals that's what she does and uh, sometimes she's like oh you know i still want to act and i still want to and i don't and i go whatever you do your purpose is that though 
Mm-hmm. You could act because you love it. You're good at it, whatever. But your purpose, it's yeah. nice to know your purpose. Yeah. And that's the message for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, I love you. Thanks to all the top tier patrons and the bottom tier patrons and any patron who signs up to support the podcast, whether it's one cent or whatever. Uh, you really, really help us. Patreon.com slash inside of you. Thank you for the love. And send me a message. I'll message you back. Let's do it. Let's do the uh, top tiers. Okay. All right. You ready? <sighs> Go ahead. Yep. What start? Yeah. <laughs> Who would be the first? Uh, Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah, Sarah v. v, Yukiko, Little, Little Lisa. Uh, That's good that you just remember off the bat. Uh, there, there's a uh, br- uh, yep. Jason W, Brian. There's a Brian. Uh, yep. Oh God. H. Brian H. And in camp. Jill E. Yeah. Nico P, uh-huh. Robert B. That's the one I was thinking of. You are. Sophie yeah. M, Kristen K, Rashi, Joshua D, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, correct, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, El Don Supremo 99, More. Santiago. M. Um, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, Chris H, Dave H, Sheila G, um, Brad D, Ray H, Tabitha T, Tom N, Liliana A, Taya M, Betsy D, Chad L, Dan N, Big Stevie, W, Angel, F, H, A, M, correct, Rhiannon, C, Corey, (sighs) Corey K, Corey K. Dev Nixon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Brandy D, Camille S, Spnetk, S P N E T C. Somebody make a mistake. I like it though. Hi, Spnetk. Joey M, Lee, Eugene, and Leah, Corey, Heather L, Jake B, Megan T, Angela F, Mel S, Orlando C, Caroline R, Christine S. Eric H, Shane R, Emma R, Andrew M, Zeroichi 77, Andreas N, Oracle, Karina. Don't know. N. Right. Amanda R. Correct. Jen B, Kevin E, Stephanie K, Lena 82, Jarrell, Billy S, Jammin J, Leanne J, Luna R, Cindy E, Mike F, Stone H, Brian L, Cameron E, Katie B, Aaron R, Clayton J, Kendall L, House of Joe L, Joe L. Is the House of Jor-El? It says House of Joe E. House of Joe L. Good Lord, son. Maybe his name is Joe L or her name is Joe. Yeah. House of Joe L. Hi. Mm-hmm. Meredith L. Hmm. Meredith I, I think it is. Oh. That's it. Those are the top tiers. Thank you for uh, all the support and love. You gonna say anything else, Ryan? You got anything else? Me? Ruin? Yeah. No. No, no one wants to hear what I have to say. I do. Do you? Sure. I got nothing. I want to play some dodgeball. You want to play some dodgeball? Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I'm not yeah. going to play tonight, but. Um, yeah. Well, I want to play. Next time, just ask me if you yeah. need somebody. I'll let you know when, when my friend who's the connection. You can go for free this uh, at this this West Hollywood dodgeball situation. I might. I played in a dodgeball tournament once. It was the Burt Reynolds Classic, and it was everybody had to wear mustaches. That's fun. It was fun. I got my not mustache knocked the hell off my face, though, with a dodgeball, <laughs> bro. Uh, thanks for uh, listening. Uh, from the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Ryan Tias. Ryan Tias. little wave to the camera. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you um, for listening, and be good to yourself. I'll see you later. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.